Hello, everyone. My name is Michael, and welcome to the Christ Church Podcast. joining us. Yes, even you. Even you. I'm glad that you are joining us today. Uh, how are things going? How you doing? You okay? Everything okay? Well, I hope that all is well. How's the Easter season? How's the celebrating going? Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. By the time that you are listening to this episode, Actually, the church will have just observed the day before what is known as Ascension Day. And the Easter season then has come to a close. The big party season of the church has now ended. And a big change has taken place. Do you know what that change is? Well, to answer this, we need to recap what has just happened. See, Jesus has been crucified, dead. He's been buried. And then Jesus rose from the dead. He came back fully alive. And in his resurrection, Paul tells us, actually in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus appeared to his followers. He appeared to more than 500 men and women. He appeared to James, to the apostles, and even to Paul himself. Um, Resurrection, that's what's happened. Jesus has come back from the dead. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Yes, imagine the joy. Imagine the celebration. The resurrection has taken place, but here's the thing. The story isn't over. And if we were to stop at the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, which many people often do, then we have an incomplete story. Because something happened after that. And it's what's often neglected and often forgotten and often not talked about as much. We like talking about, well, like might be a strong word, but we talk about things such as the crucifixion. We talk about Jesus' death on the cross, right? And we talk a lot about the resurrection, hopefully. But we often forget, or we at least neglect, that something happened after, that we haven't completed the story if we stop at the resurrection. In fact, the fullness of the resurrection cannot be understood without this event that took place after. So what was that event? Okay, I built it up enough. Jesus ascended into heaven. The ascension happened. By the time you're listening to this, it's going to be a Friday. So that is yesterday we observed as a church Ascension Day, all about remembering and celebrating Jesus' ascension into heaven, Jesus ascending into heaven. So what change has taken place? And I mean, beyond the fact that Jesus came back to life and defeated the powers of sin and death. That is the change that's taken place. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and in his ascension, here's here's the crux. Jesus has given his disciples a task. He gives them a purpose. And if I could, I'd like to paraphrase it for us. Jesus essentially tells his followers, you are me, you are my body, you are to be me in the world. That's really the change that's taken place. When Jesus ascends into heaven, He gives his disciples 
uh, the task or the purpose, and it's a beautiful one, of being him in the world. We are the body of Christ after all. But there's a catch. And this catch provides the whole feeling that we might experience each and every Ascension Day as Easter comes to a close. The catch is we can't do it. We can't do that. We don't possess the power necessary to be Jesus in the world, to truly be the body of Christ. We cannot do it on our own. John H. Westerhoff III points out that only those who have wanted children more than anything else in the whole world but have been unable to have them can truly understand the feelings related to this day. They're not fun ones, but like the proper, the proper feelings in regards to the Ascension Day. It's powerlessness and helplessness. See, I think Christ's ascension may be one of the most neglected or forgotten aspects of what Jesus did. Part of the reason could be because the Bible does not spend that much time talking about it. In fact, scholars have pointed out that biblical authors only spend about seven verses in all of Scripture talking about Jesus' ascension. Another reason could be that we do not understand the ascension, so we try not to think about it too much because we don't really know what to do with it. The story feels kind of sci-fi and weird. I mean, go read it. Jesus physically ascends into like the sky. He's like being lifted up, levitating into the sky, uh, ascending into the clouds before the disciples' eyes. They're watching all this happen. And then he sits down on the throne to the right hand of the Father in heaven. This all feels pretty abnormal. And even more, I think we have separated the ascension from the resurrection, So we focus everything on the resurrection, which I can understand, but we have made the ascension something separate from it, when really the resurrection is not complete until Jesus ascends. This is the fullness of the exaltation of Christ that Paul's talking about in Philippians 2, that God has highly exalted Jesus and given him every name above, or given him the name above every name. The exaltation of Jesus is not just his rising from the dead, but his ascending into heaven as well. The exaltation of Christ did not come into completion until the ascension, is what I'm trying to say. And yet I think there is one more reason why we might neglect the ascension. And I think it could be because it leaves us feeling powerless and helpless, as we noted a few moments ago. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. If we were to read Acts 1, where, where the ascension takes place, where Jesus ascends into heaven, we see the disciples caught looking. They're just looking into the sky, and then the the angels appear to them and say, what are you doing? He's already ascended. He's going to come back to you the same way he said he would. You have something to go do. Go do it. And they don't leave with like a lot of excitement. But if you were to read Luke's earlier writing (laughs) or his gospel narrative, see, we believe Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. If you go to the end of Luke, you kind of have a different story. You see in Luke 24 that the disciples leave there with joy, and they go immediately in worship. These are two different, different feelings that we're picking up on from Acts 1 and Luke 24. 
in Acts 1, it seems like they don't really know what is going on and they're feeling powerless and helpless because Jesus has now left them. And how could that possibly be good? You just came back from the dead. We're going through this roller coaster of intense sorrow and loss when you get crucified and, and we have to bury you and you're dead, but then you come back from the dead and all this joy and celebration, we, we're overwhelmed by it. And then now you're leaving us. How in the world could that be good? It's kind of what we pick on in Acts 1, pick up on in Acts 1. But then at the end of Luke 24, same writer here, we see the disciples rejoicing and worshiping. Why? Because I think they understood the ascension. They understood that in Jesus' ascension, we are given a magnificent role to play. Yes, it's a role that we cannot carry out on our own. We don't have what it takes. We aren't enough. Westerhoff to this point again says that it's one thing to celebrate Christ in glory. It's another to realize that we are to be his presence here on earth. It's one thing to celebrate God's power, but it's another to realize our powerlessness, unless unless that this isn't the whole story either. So what do the disciples do after Jesus ascended into heaven right before their eyes? Do you remember like what actually took place? Scripture tells us that basically they live out what Jesus prayed for them in his high priestly prayer in John 17. You can go read it. And this is what the disciples do. The disciples remained as one, totally unified, unique individuals, absolutely, but unified together in Jesus. They stayed physically together as well. Acts 1 tells us that they all, that is the remainder of the 12, Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus, they were all united in prayer and were waiting on the Lord. And then what happened? Well, another promise of Jesus was fulfilled. The Holy Spirit comes and fills them. You see, we are about to enter the season of Pentecost. This is the story of the gift of the Holy Spirit and the beginning of what we call the church. This is, that is, that is what happens at Pentecost. God's Spirit comes and fills His church. The Creator Spirit of the world creates afresh and anew the body of Christ in the world, bringing life and power but I need to stop. We have more to come. <laughs> Way more to come on that matter. But may you then remember here, let me, let me close out because I'm, I'm getting jazzed up and wanting to talk about Pentecost and, and we have, that's not even here yet. So there's more to come on that, but let me close with this. May you remember that Jesus is true to his promises. That Jesus is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has ascended into heaven and is now reigning over the cosmos for our benefit. We, that means we have an advocate, folks, an advocate who happens to be fully human, sitting at the right hand of God, ruling the universe, who knows us and loves us. And to the degree that we believe that the resurrected and ascended Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God, to the, that is to the degree that we believe that what, what Paul is saying in Romans 8, that all things work together for the good of those who love God. To the degree that we believe this, 
what absolute peace and joy we may experience in our daily lives. See, we as a church are a ragtag group of people from different cultural and ethnic backgrounds with different upbringings from different neighborhoods who fail and mess up in more ways than we can probably count. But Jesus wants to use us to represent him in this world and is working all things together for our good so that we might, in the power of the Holy Spirit, when Pentecost comes, go out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth with great joy in the gospel of Jesus overflowing out of us, but we'll get there. Grace and peace.